Would you like a drink? Last time, that didn't go so well. Oh, you're right. If I remember correctly, I put a little something in your beverage. Same way I remember it. It made you romantic. It made me do what you wanted. Was it all bad, beloved? No, it wasn't all bad. Then you remember our shared moonlight? Some of it. The best parts? Talia, what do you want? My father. He's dead. Raish. How many fathers do I have? Sorry. He always seemed... Like you? Indestructible? Huh. You haven't seen my x-rays. Maybe you can show them to me sometime. Welcome to the Carefree Black Nerd Podcast. A conversation about representation in comics and related media. I am your host, Rain Coleman. And today we will be discussing... Talia Al Ghul. Uh, now, before getting into this issue of Carefree Black Nerd, please make sure to rate and review on iTunes, like and share and comment on SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, and when you live tweet this episode, please, please, please use the hashtag CBNPod. Let me know you're out there listening. For those of you with questions, comments, and concerns, hit me up on that Twitter or Hit me up on that email. That's carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com. Alrighty, so we're about to get into this issue of Talia Al Ghul. Now, before doing that, because DC has such a fucked up continuity, um, kind of rivaling Marvel with this like rebirth, reboot, reset, new earth, this, that, and the third. Um, I'm going to kind of take a few steps back and I want to see, maybe I'll do this whenever I'm discussing a character with different like alternate versions of themselves. I don't know. But before getting into Talia, I have to give you this, um, what we call this caveat. No, not caveat. Well, whatever (laughs) history shit. (laughs) So with DC comics, there's a few different earth distinctions. Uh, one of which being prime earth. This was formed by the merging of the different DC universes. So the DC Comics universe, the Vertigo universe, and Wildstorm universe. So these are different imprints of DC Comics. Um, this was an effort to, uh, by excuse me, by Pandora and the Flash to restore the time stream to its intended nature. I'm doing a lot of air quotes, but of course this is a podcast, so you can't see that now. It was later revealed that that was Dr. Manhattan behind all these, whatever. But that was so, it was like a retcon that happened like a few years ago. Uh, But all you need to know is Prime Earth is all of the DC imprints merging into one. Uh, There's also the New 52 in this newly made universe. Costume crime fighters were a relatively new thing. Superman was the first superpower hero to come to public knowledge. Um, I kind of, when I think of this particular earth i think kind of like mutants in the marvel universe where you know you have like um selena not selena what the fuck is the chick name um the black queen yeah selena i think that's her name in apocalypse and galactus galactus being one of the oldest mutants uh to date namor being like the first recorded and shit but in the new 52 
uh, Superman was the first superpowered hero to come to public knowledge. Uh, then other different heroes started coming together, like the Justice League. Uh, with the success of Justice League, it inspired the United Nations to create a government-sponsored Justice League International, which is whatever. Um, there was Rebirth. Uh, the aftermath of the Dark Side War saw the return of Wally West, who was freed from the Speed Force by Barry Allen. With his return, he revealed that Prime Earth had been robbed of an entire decade decade of experiences and memories by some unknown force. And this was the reason the universe did not revert to the way it was before Flashpoint, which is why everyone was 10 years younger. Which pretty much reads to me that DC was like, you know, everybody clearly has to stay young. Batman has been around since the 60s, but he still has to be like approximately, you know, 32, 35 years old. So yeah, everybody's 10 years younger, whatever. I get, I mean, I can overlook that. It's comics, hell. There is another Earth, which is New Earth. Now, New Earth was the mainstream reality of the DC multiverse between 1986 and 2011, starting during the Crisis on Infinite Earths and ending with Flashpoint. Now, me not being, okay, now I say this a lot that I'm not a big DC guy, which I actually am. But when I grew up, it was the animated series and some of the comics. When it came to comics being like what I lived for, I defaulted to Marvel, Image, and then any other independent comic I could pick up. I still was aware of DC heroes, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, and whatnot. But for me, my knowledge was that of the general public. I knew who these people were. I knew who they were when I saw them. I watched the Batman movies. But I didn't dive into DC history and lore like I did with Marvel Comics. That being said, I'm getting older. Of course, I'm getting older. Um, As I got older and I started, you know, got back into comics, DC was not a go-to for me. But I find myself being wrapped up in a lot of different stories. Um, Like when I read, and this had to be a year ago, read The Long Halloween, that Batman story. Oh, that shit. Even as someone brand new, not brand new, but um, new to the DC Comics uh, continuity and history, reading The Long Halloween, the twist at the end still fucked me up. And mind you, again, I'm not someone who was like reading dedicated, uh, reading DC Comics. So that being said, I'm trying to get more into DC. Um, So that's enough of the history of the different Earths and whatnot. Now we're going to get back into the intended lesson and we're going to discuss Talia Al Ghul. Now, um, I'll say that I first saw this character back a couple years ago um, when there was the, what the hell is that movie? The movie that popped up on Netflix, it was, and that's not the thing. When it comes to DC, for me, it's always been the animated thing. So like the movies, the animated movies, the um, TV show, stuff like that freaking dope um i first met her in son of batman which she's been around for a while which you know i'll get to but meeting her in son of batman was like damn who is this woman badass you know chick or whatever kicking ass uh, whooping motherfuckers capturing niggas and shit so i was really really for her from like from way back then 
uh, way back then being like only a couple years ago. So that's when I first was introduced to her. Now, I will say this because I've had so many different DC comics over the years. I may have actually like read about her or known of her and just didn't know who she was and didn't uh, her name didn't register with me. But all that being said, Talia Al Ghul. <laughs> Talia Al Ghul is a fictional character appearing in American comic books published by DC Comics. Uh, commonly, she's in association with a named hero I won't get to right yet. Uh, the character was created by Dennis O'Neill and artist Bob Brown and first appeared in Detective Comics number 411 back in May of 1971. 1971, y'all? <laughs> like, so she's been around for a while and I'm just now like really getting into this character, which, eh, whatever, slap on the wrist for me. <laughs> now, Talia is the daughter of the supervillain Raja Ghul, the half-sister of Nessa Rakato, Ratako, Radako, Ratako. Radak <laughs> R-A-A-T-K-O. I think that <laughs> sounded out. Y'all got it. And um, off and on, romantic love interest of a superhero who I won't name just yet. But those of you in the know already know who I'm talking about. Um, she is the mother of Damian Wayne, who is the fifth Robin. She has alternately been depicted as an anti-hero. Now, I will say this. When I was introduced to her, she was pretty much a villain but over the years the last couple years in dc publications i think she's being more like the punisher in the sense that she like does bad shit uh but you know with good reason like her intent is to do a good job but not to go the whole superhero route so that's my understanding so you know it is what it is now uh talia has appeared in over 500 individual comic issues and has been featured on various media adaptations the character was voiced by Helen Slater and Olivia Hussey in the DC Animated Universe. One of them, don't know which one it is, I'm sure is the one who I was introduced uh, through, is because uh, when I say Animated Universe, I don't know if they're talking about the, um, the Son of Batman, which I saw in, but you know, there's also been a long line of animated shows, um, you know, from way back when, of Justice League and Batman and Superman, and so I'm not entirely sure. Now, uh, her first appearance in media other than comic books has been the animated shows. Now, the character was subsequently portrayed by Marion Cotter, Marion Cotterler, Cotter. <laughs> I am messing these names up. This was back in 2012 in the film The Dark Knight Rises and Lexa Doig, D-O-I-G, in the television series Arrow. Which, again, <laughs> I'm going to keep saying that I'm not a DC guy, but I actually am. <laughs> so, um, as far as the Arrow series, I have not gotten into it. The only DC television show that I've gotten into has been Black Lightning. But when I read stuff like this and I see how badass Talia is and see a character like her has popped up in Arrow, it's like, oh, I want to go and dive headfirst into Arrow and into Flash. But there's so many seasons of both shows it's like i don't have the time and i don't have the desire i have the desire but not the time and um but maybe i'll get around to it one day i don't know okay so talia getting back to uh miss al ghul <laughs> talia is uh real name is talia al ghul her ali aliases are leviathan mother of demons mother of nails um her relatives are raja ghul her father Melisandre, her mother, was deceased. Damian Wayne, her son. Uh, she's affiliated with the Leviathan organization that was formerly the League of Assassins, or formerly she 
was a member of the League of Assassins. Base of Operations is mobile. She's like pretty much a badass spy. Um, she's bad, but again, anti-hero, bad, good, or like Rihanna, good girl gone bad, or whatever. She's she's not um, 100% good in the sense that you would think a caped superhero is good. Um, she has a public identity. She is single. She is an assassin. And she's a female of uh, 5'8", 120 pounds, brown eyes, brown hair. Uh, universes are Prime Earth and creator Dennis O'Neill and Bob Brown. Now, when it comes to Talia, okay, she's a woman of color. And this is something that is, I believe, lost on the way she's been depicted in media. Um, one of the chicks that portrayed her is this French lady. Um, oh, and I forget her name, but I probably just said her name, something, whatever. French lady who looks like a white woman. I believe is a white woman. And then when you see her in Son of Batman, she looks like a white woman. Uh, this is why representation in comics and related media is so important. Um, now I'm not Arabic. I am not Chinese, uh, so the concerns that I have are not meant to offend anyone. This is just me looking at the character in the much of a way that I would look at a character who is black but portrayed a certain way um, visually. So if I uh, say anything to offend anyone, that is not my intent. Please tweet me, let me know, and I will uh, make sure to correct that. But that being said... <sighs> Talia, there is a New Earth version of Talia, which we probably won't get into today. And then there's this Prime Earth version of Talia, who we will get into today. Now, with there being these different um, incarnations of her, no matter what, she's always been a woman of color across the board. Um, in the New Earth version, uh, it says that Raja Ghul, who is Arabic, um, met uh, Talia's mother and her mother was Chinese and Arabic. I'm hoping I am saying this correctly. Um, And they met at Woodstock and then her mother later died of a drug overdose. Of course, it was after she was born. Um, And everything else that I've seen, she's been classified or labeled as an Arabic woman. That being said, though there are different shades to most all races, she always comes off as a white woman now if someone has seen son of batman or seen her in different um other visual mediums and uh she does not appear that way to you please let me know you know and and, you know point it out if it's like okay you know no in this run of whatever she looks like this or this run of she looks like this but all in all comics to me they become a little lazy when you get things like a woman who is lighter skinned with long hair because they are ultimately look the same if you open up any comic especially like marvel or dc and they're guilty and i'm sure other independent comics but i'll give them a little bit more leeway because those are usually independent comics by independent creators who aren't getting these um full freaking uh movie deals and such but when you look at talia agul and then you look at like a Jean Grey or you look at a rogue or you look at someone with a white woman with straight hair who has a slender body. They all look alike. And when you don't go that extra step to 
put the color on the skin or to make sure the accent is pronounced or to make sure that um, certain things that uh, would be indicators of um, different nationality, different ethnic background is brought to the forefront. And it's not to say you do a caricature of that particular type of person. But for me to open this comic book, if I'm a, a young girl who loves comics and I am um, of Arabic or Chinese descent and I open this up and I see this and it looks like she looks just like Catwoman. That's the problem because Catwoman is a white woman. We know who Selena Kyle is. There is no woman of color mixture anywhere in her. So she's fine to look the way she does. But when you can't tell the difference between the two, that's a problem. Um, additionally, Damian Wayne, because if you haven't figured it out, the, the superhero who Talia has had a whirlwind love romance with has been Batman uh, Bruce Wayne. Damian Wayne is also of mixed heritage. He is a biracial child, but he looks white, which is not to say that you can't appear white because there are mixed persons who do appear more white, but it's like you're losing an opportunity to do something more. If every single Robin has been a white boy with brown or black hair, why does Damian have to look just like every other Robin when his mom is a mixed woman mixed with two of color races she's not white and such that she is arabic and chinese and she's like it's whatever so <laughs> with all that being said we're going to dive into talia now talia on the prime earth this is the talia we're discussing now she is the daughter of the immortal world conqueror rajagul she is often an enemy and love interest of batman and is the mother of his son damian wayne the fourth robin while she frequently allies herself with the League of Assassins, Talia herself led the Leviathan organization. Now, Raja Ghul, this isn't a lesson on him, but to kind of give a little bit of history, Raja Ghul is the founder of the League of Assassins, an organization of deadly warriors that he used to achieve his goal of ridding the world of evil. Raj, Raja, Raja Ghul <laughs> eventually became affiliated with an organization called the Untitled, Raja Ghul built his city, and I am going to butcher this, but I'm going to try. Ethal Iban, Ethel Iban. I'm going to spell it. E T H apostrophe A L T H apostrophe E B A N. Ethel Iban. I don't know. <laughs> um, and this was built over the unified, um, untitled, excuse me, Well of Sins, which was the form, the first formed Lazarus Pit. Through the well, Raja Ghul managed to create his own pit, allowing him to live for hundreds of years. Uh, Raja Ghul, badass motherfucker. Um, yeah, so back to Talia. <laughs> back to Talia. Now, uh, Talia Agul was initially just named Talia. She she hadn't been given a actual um, surname, last name. And, you know, that... It's kind of the sign of the times when it comes to women in comics from way back when. This was back in 71. Uh, we made some strides, but women still weren't treated the same as men in comics. Um, a bit of publication history. Now, the character was created, of course, by Dennis O'Neill and Bob Brown. She was simply named Talia. Um, her creation and depiction was inspired by other works, um, such as like the 1969 James Bond film on Her Majesty's Secret Service, which is cool because like the, she, okay, James Bond for me is a very interesting character. Um, he's essentially every white man, every wealthy white man in comics. 
wealthy white man, a billionaire playboy who has sex with women and has cool gadgets. But I do like the different type of women that he encountered, though a lot of it was kind of misogynistic in the way that things were handled. But to be so many different depictions of women, albeit not the greatest care given to those women, but having so many different types of women pop up, and for her to be kind of an uh, James Bond 007 analog with a little bit of a twist, I like that. I like that her um, her history or her... Um, um, depiction rather was derived from such a badass character like because on the surface you know James Bond a man in a suit with gadgets kicking ass solving crimes and having a time in his life but to have a woman kind of uh, that, that I mean it's just dope as fuck like I would love to see a uh, female James Bond but whatever that's another conversation for another day <laughs> um, and she was also derived from the Fu, Man, Fu Manchu fiction which I don't have a lot of um um, a lot of like direct knowledge of, but really quickly, Fu Manchu fiction is um, a fictional villain character introduced in a series of novels by British author Sax Romer during the first half of the 20th century. Now, the character was also featured extensively in different cinema. Now, and, and again, I'm going back to if anything that I'm saying is offensive, please let me know. Uh, this I'm not sure is if it is perceived the Fu Manchu is perceived as a caricature of like Asian um, Asian culture. If so, let me know. But I say all this to say this character is not just some damsel in distress. And back in the 70s, she's not just some big breasted woman that is there to serve the male in the story. At least that's not her or um, uh, the inspiration for her origin. So I'll say that's kind of a win on that end. And she's a woman of color of two different like um, cultures. Like that's 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 dope as fuck to me. Now, of course, like I said, she first appeared in Detective Comics at um, number four eleven. Now she's commonly, of course, introduced as or um, as Batman's love interest, but whatever. Uh, now her father, of course, led the worldwide criminal empire. Um, now, <laughs> Raja Gul considered Batman the most worthy man to marry Talia and become his successor. Now, that is trash because oh, I'm, I'm so conflicted with my feelings with this because it's it's done to kind of big up or pat on the back Batman for being like this dope ass crime fighter and action hero, but on the same end. Why the fuck couldn't Talia just take over the empire? Like, why does she have to be wed off to some man in order for this empire to continue? Like, it's... So for all the good things that I just said, it's still kind of like a slap in the face. Like, God damn it, yes, this is a Batman story, but why in the fuck does she have to take a backseat to her own birthright because she needs to be married off to a man? That's, that's just fucking ridiculous. But, um, yeah, whatever. So... Without a spouse, Talia was considered uh, an heir to her father and his organization. Now, while Batman is uninterested in the criminal empire, he has often demonstrated romantic feelings for Talia. Uh, Talia has saved the life of Batman or helped him on numerous occasions. The majority of her criminal acts have been committed at the behest of her father and motivated by loyalty to her father rather than personal gain. She has been depicted as morally ambiguous or as an anti-heroic figure. In the mid to late 90s, part of her father's name was incorporated to hers as kind of a surname to help readers associate her with Raja Ghul. 
Recent depictions have shown her to be more of an enemy of Batman and a supervillain in her own right, such as leading the League of Assassins, as part of the secret society of supervillains and as the mastermind behind Leviathan. Um, yeah, and so, oh, IGN, on IGN's list of top 100 comic book villains of all time, uh, she was ranked as number 42. She was ranked 25th in the Comic Buyer's Guide as 100 Sexiest Women in Comics list, which is, I mean, I guess kudos to her. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. You don't seem all that broken up about Raish's death. There is no time for mourning. Assassins plan to take over Raish's organization. They are led by a man who father believed could be his successor, until my father became aware of you. Now this man wants to kill us. Us? Not you. Me. And your son. Son? You expect me to believe this? I assure you, he's yours. Don't look so stunned, Father. I thought you'd be taller. Now, before diving into her early years and, like, uh, character biography and stuff, I want to remind you all to go ahead and live-tweet this episode using the hashtag CBMPod. And go ahead and uh, hit those hearts and likes on SoundCloud and go ahead and leave a review over there on iTunes and like the Facebook page. Um, any reviews I'll probably read on air um, in a future episode. So there's kind of your perk for that. <laughs> Alrighty, so getting into the character biography, the life history and all that good shit of Talia. Now, uh, the first Talia comic story was um, Into the Den of Death Dealers. Into the Den of the Death Dealers. This was Detective Comics number 411 that I mentioned earlier. This was back in May of 1971. Um, of course, written by Dennis O'Neill. In this story, Batman rescues Talia from Dr. Dark. Apparently, the leader of the League of Assassins. It was eventually revealed that the League is just one of Raja Ghul's, uh, one part of his organization. So, that right there. I'm not... <sighs> It's a sign of the times. Like, it's the 70s. She, whatever. Like, though she's kind of built off of this badass male character, she's still, I don't know, whatever. Well, well whatever. <laughs> now, um, the demon, which is one part of Raja Ghul's organization, um, Dark apparently turned against Raja Ghul after failing a mission. Now, the usual punishment for failing a mission was death. <laughs> so, of course, he would turn against Raja Ghul and try to, you know, uh, self-preservation hell. Now, at the end of this story, uh, Talia shoots and kills Dark to save Batman's life, which is kind of a turn on his head. So, her treatment, I don't know, I guess you listeners out there, tweet me and let me know. Um, as far as Talia's handling in the DC Universe, do you feel that it's that very damsel in distress-ish? Do you think that she can stand on her own? And this is some things to kind of think about during this uh, particular issue or lesson or whatever. Let me know, you know, while you're listening or after you're done, what do you think? Because just because I'm presenting you with the information don't mean that you'll have to agree with me. Now, I do like that the turn of events is that she saves Batman's life as opposed to him saving hers or after he saved hers or whatever. Now, Talia, she next appears in Daughter of the Demon. 
This was back in Batman number, I believe, 231. No, 232. This is in June of 1971, so a few months later. Um, in this story, Dick Grayson, Robin, is kidnapped. Raja Ghoul enters the Batcave, revealing to Batman that he knows exactly who the fuck Batman is. <laughs> and Batman says, Bruce Wayne, who? No, is it? <laughs> now, he knows the secret identity, and he also tells him that Talia was kidnapped along with Dick Grayson. Now, Batman then goes with Raja Ghoul to search for Dick and Talia. Now, my issue with this is you are the greatest detective in the world. How you didn't know this motherfucker was kidnapped to begin with? Like, you just, this old man show up in your back cave. You're like, all right, let's go. Like, <laughs> oh, Bruce, you suck. Now, in the end, it's revealed that Talia loves Batman and she wants to marry him and she got a crush on him. <laughs> now, um, it was also revealed that the entire kidnapping was a setup. This was designed by Raja Ghoul, fucking sociopath, psychotic ass motherfucker. So he designed this uh, kidnapping plot to test Batman's sustainability to be Talia's husband and his successor. Like, what the fuck? Like, what are you doing? I mean, I guess on one hand, I get it. If you're going to be crazy or be this type of person, go all out with all the bells and whistles. But then it's like, ah, what are you doing? Like, I'm not the hugest Batman fan. Since Tom King has been writing him, I've really enjoyed him. And some of the older stories, like I said before, The Long Halloween, I've really enjoyed. But this shit, it's like, hasn't he been through enough <laughs> shit? God damn it. Now, um, Batman rejects Raja Ghul's offer. He's like, nigga, I don't want to be your fucking successor. Fuck you, nigga. Um, nevertheless, <laughs> he does return Talia's feelings. Uh, Raja Ghul and Talia consider Batman to be married to Talia with only their consent. So they had kind of a common law marriage. Not common law. What would it be? Like, just an agreement to be wed. Like, it wasn't anything legal. Uh, which, like, what really is legal when you're an assassin and you have your, like, company built in this like far mystical land like what really is legal so um yeah so with their consent they're married and this was in a in dc special series number 15 that was in 1978 so a few years later um in the story i now pronounce you batman and wife which i'm going to have to get my hands on that because it sounds like a pretty interesting issue a lot of the stuff that i'm presenting you with now is just different things that I've read and researched about the character. Um, having not read that particular issue, I think I'd like to take a look at that for myself. Especially Detective Comics number 411. I'd like to see Talia and how she appeared and what was her actions and such back then, like in her first appearance. <clears throat> now moving on to uh, Son of the Demon. Now in the graphic novel Son of the Demon, this was back in 1987, so about approximately 19 years after the uh the uh oh mm, i'm sorry take a couple steps back now after the i now pronounce you batman and wife the years since the character met batman the character being talia she's repeatedly depicted as torn between loyalty to her father and her love for batman um she's proven an important ally in her way and most prominently she encourages batman to return to gotham city when is when it is declared no man's land that was back in 1999 this was following an earthquake and batman had lost his fighting spirit and did not believe he could save gotham no man's land 
is another Batman story that I would like to read. Like, I've heard about it, and I sound like a complete novice here, because I am. And I've heard a lot of good things about it, but I haven't read it myself. If you listeners have uh, read No Man's Land, give me some reviews. Like, is it something you recommend I pick up? Because just because it's a long story or it's canon doesn't always mean it's good. So, let me know if I should check that out. So, um, getting back on track to Son of the Demon in that graphic novel... Back in 1987, which again was about 9 to 10 years after the uh, I Now Pronounce You Batman and Wife. Um, this was Son of the Demon was written by Mike W. Barr. Now, Raja Ghouls successfully enlists Batman in defeating a rogue of assassin who had murdered his wife and Talia's mother, Melisandre. Which I love that name. Mm-hmm. So, Talia witnessed the murder as a young child. Now, this is like some reaching back in the day shit. Like... Yeah, this is some, <laughs> let's avenge this murder from years ago. Now, during this storyline, Batman marries Talia, and the prior marriage, the now, um, I now pronounce you Batman and wife, is referenced. Um, they have a conjugal, re- they have a, they have <laughs> conjugal relations, which results in her becoming pregnant. Now, I'm going to stop right here. Now, I, hmm. A side effect of this character within doing all the research and such is that a lot of her story that I'm presenting you with kind of is skewed skewed from the point of view of Batman. And that's just a sign of who she is as a character and how she's been depicted. So it's not I'm not intentionally centering Batman in these um, um, kind of retellings of her story. It's just that's how it's been presented. So I'm trying my best to be cognizant of that but i am I, um bear with me folks so, <laughs> so um now they have those conjugal relations she becomes pregnant and batman is nearly killed protecting talia from an attack by the assassin's agents now my only concern is again i'm not a woman uh i've never given birth to a child but i would imagine that if you are a let's say a boxer a woman, you are a boxer, and you train your whole life. When you become pregnant, you may not be 100%, but you would be able to, like, do some shit. Um, how in the fuck is Talia this badass motherfucker who can do all this shit, but then she gets pregnant and just needs to be saved by Batman? <laughs> I just don't get it. Uh now, in retrospect, Talia concludes that she could never keep Batman as he would be continuously forced to defend her, which is like, what? And what do you mean, keep Batman? Like, what? <laughs> this is so problematic. Now, um, she fakes a miscarriage, which, how do you do that? Well, no, not how do you do that, because I believe this is early on in her pregnancy, which even makes it even more ridiculous that he would have to protect her and that she wouldn't be able to hold her own fighting side by side. Like, you're in your first trimester, probably your first month or so. What? Like, you can still do stuff. Like, you can still go to the gym, I'm sure, jog, do a little bit. Like, you can do some stuff. Why is this? <laughs> I don't know. So, um, after she faked her miscarriage, the marriage was dissolved. It didn't say if it was, like, annulled or anything. And I'm, <clears throat> excuse me, honestly, not even 100% sure this was a quote-unquote legal marriage, which... The institution of marriage is just that institution, but that's another conversation for another day. Now, in later continuity, after Talia gives birth, the child is left at an orphanage. He is adopted and given the name, and I am going to mess this up. He is adopted and given the name Ibn al-Zaifucha. 
It's like full of ch. So IBN, one word, A L, and then X U apostrophe F F A S C H. I don't know. So this is Arabic for son of the bat. Now, the only other clue to the child's heritage is a jewel-encrusted necklace Batman had given to Talia, which Talia leaves with the child. Which, this is a side note, which is pretty kind of irrelevant, but every time I've seen, ever since I was a kid, and I've seen, like, stories and TV shows and movies where someone has left a child on the doorstep of a church or a fire station or something, and they always have, like, this is a, a bejeweled pencil or this is a diamond from you know our family's legacy i'm like wouldn't somebody just steal that like this is a baby this baby don't know especially if it's not some mystical item that like is bonded with the child like somebody would probably steal this shit and pawn it but (laughs) whatever (laughs) um now it is referenced in three different elseworld storylines and they are kingdom come the sequel, the sequel of Kingdom Come, which is The Kingdom, and Brotherhood of the Bat. This features two alternate versions of that very child as an adult coming to terms with his dual heritage. So again, uh, this baby is biracial. Oh, God damn it. Um, funny thing, in Son of the Bat or Son of Batman, the show, the show, the movie, the DC animated movie that I saw on Netflix a little while back. This is... I, I think some of this was pulled from there. And then, like, kind of spoiler alert, but I won't give out everything. There is a scene in there in which there is an adult child of Bruce Wayne and Talia Agul. And it's such an interesting look because in the very same room, it's this adult child. It's Damian Wayne. It's Talia. And the conversation that's being had with the three of them, it's so... It's, it's, it's short. It's brief. It's maybe, like, five minutes, I believe. But it's so... It's so deep uh, because he's the the adult version of Damien is pretty much begging his mother as a child would or in the way a child would on his knees with his arms wrapped around her waist for the memories and the love that Damien has for her, which is like, man, yeah, you can build this man in a, in a factory or you can create this fake person with all the DNA you have in the world, but he isn't. He doesn't feel like he's a fully actualized human. Like, it's it's, it's good. It's good. I recommend you all checking it out. <laughs> all righty. So, uh, moving on to Birth of the Demon. We went to Son of the Demon, now Birth of the Demon. Now, the graphic novel Batman, Birth of the Demon in 1992. Uh, this was by Dennis O'Neill. It explains how her father, her being Talia, met her mother at Woodstock and that she was of Arab and uh, Chinese descent. Talia's mother later later dies um, of a drug overdose. And I'm not sure which death of her mother is canon. Well, I'm sure the one of her being murdered is canon, but oh god, this is my issue with comics. Like, they're so fun, but the history is so convoluted. It's like, you just pick and choose whatever works for you. Whatever canon works in your head, works in your head. But shit. Ugh, whatever. So, uh, moving on to Bane, a character who, you know, I didn't expect to see in this uh, in this lesson. Now, after Bane enters the League of Assassins, 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 Raja Ghul considers Bane a potential heir to his empire instead of Batman and wants his daughter to marry him. Raja Ghul, stop, nigga, stop. Like, what the fuck is he doing? He's obsessed. Like, Raja Ghul to me... <laughs> It's like those stage moms and dads, because, you know, you know, being a, 
uh, insane parent is not um, just uh, falling on the mother. But like one of those stage moms who is like living vicariously through the success of her daughter or son or child. It's like, what are you doing? Like, it's uh, it's a sad story because it's all, okay. Raja Gul has been pretty much cheating death through the Lazarus Pit for decades. And with that, I can see the struggle of trying to hold on to your youth, trying to, um, you know, have a child to carry on your lineage. And I get that. And then there's the other side, <coughs> excuse me, where you're trying to preserve your legacy, not just like um, physically in heritage, but like your actual empire that you've built. And... <sighs> So him wanting to wed his daughter, I get it, but it's so freaking ass backwards, especially when your daughter is right there. Like your daughter can, she is the heir. Like, okay, my thing is, yeah, you want this big strong man to impregnate your daughter and continue on the legacy, but understand without your daughter, nobody could make this child that is your heir, which I hope I'm making sense. Like she has the equipment so to speak, to give birth to this child. No matter who the hell she sleeps with, weds, becomes her king, husband, whatever. She doesn't like, oh my God, it's, this is such a ridiculous thing. <laughs> and maybe this is something culturally that I'm just not connecting with. Maybe it's exaggerated for comic books. If anyone has any idea or any knowledge about this, please tweet me, carefreeblurred, or email me, carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com because for me, on the outside looking in, this is utterly ridiculous. Why? <laughs> and this happens in so many different mediums, especially when it comes to like princesses and, and Disney and all this other shit. Like, oh, she must be wed off to this man. Fuck that. Like, <laughs> it's freaking, it's annoying as the fuck. So, <laughs> now Talia later rejects Bane she regards him as merely a cunning animal compared to the more cultured intelligence of Batman <sighs> shut up <laughs> now after Batman defeats Bane in the legacy comic series that was back in 1996 Raja Ghul agrees that Bane was unworthy of his daughter's love uh, and this was in Detective Comics 701 and Robin number 33 Nigga, you are fickle as the fuck. Like, if we're going to do this, do this, like, commit to it. Don't just see, oh, there's a big hulking man who can lift the car. He must impregnate my daughter. Oh, well, he got defeated. So here's another man who's tall and strong and he can run fast. He must impregnate my daughter. Oh, he got defeated. Now there's a, like, what are you doing? What? Is, it's like... Her father created a Tinder account and he's like talking to these guys <laughs> trying to set up dates with her. So it's, uh, it's so creepy. It's weird. This could be spun to be something extremely comical or something extremely damaging and serious as it is. Like, calm down, nigga. Like, you date these dudes and create your legacy. Why she got to do all this shit? Like, uh, I don't know. So... <laughs> now after he agreed that this man was unworthy he calls off their engagement why is he able to do that like why is she not in control of her own goddamn love life or even like even if she's not marrying for love like why can't she be the one who decides this the nigga i'm gonna lay up with to create a baby like bane is big and strong let's say that he did beat batman you still don't know what the fuck going on with him. All these chemicals pulsing through his body. What did he look like before this damn super soldier serum? If he impregnates your daughter, what kind of abomination might come from that? Like, it's... 
so many different factors to consider, and it's like, ugh, this is this is trash. Now, <laughs> following Legacy, Bane has a nightmare. This is back in Batman Bane in 1997. He has a nightmare of Talia, who is thought to be dead, betraying him and stabbing him, and um, and then embracing Batman. Then in Birds of Prey, number 26, this is in 2001, so about three or four years later, written by Dixon, Bane continues to express his obsession with Talia. Now, at the end of that story, Talia is pleased at the supposed death of Bane and one of her father's underground sanctums. And I do like this. Like, it's as far as comic books are concerned, I do like this running theme that Bane would be obsessed with Talia. And if we can explore that a bit more and let a woman write this, uh, because my interest in it may be a bit problematic. Um, I would like to see with this big hulking brute of a person being obsessed with this woman and not to um, not to the degree of like rape or anything, but just having this big, strong, powerful villain constantly having a love that he can't get over. Like into because there's this um, rise to power that he could have had had him and Talia been together. And he took over the League of Assassins, and then there is that. Well, I actually fell for this woman, and now she's out of reach. And both of these things are out of reach. But then, like, which one is more important to you? And uh, is your obsession <clears throat> a manifestation of you, um, your your fears of not having this power or not having a um um a child of your own or something to carry on your legacy. Like because comic book characters rarely ever die or rather stay dead or even age, it's kind of hard to get that across. But I would like to see, like to dive into his obsession a bit more. Uh, and in the back of my head, I'm hearing Mariah Carey. Uh, why are you so obsessed with me? Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, she's pleased with his death. Now, moving on to LexCorp. The Talia character was written to begin a new phase of her fictional life near the turn of the century. Talia, who was disillusioned with her father and his plans and using the name Talia Head instead of Talia Al Ghul, um, she leaves him to run LexCorp as its new CEO when Lex Luthor becomes president of the United States. Although she is seemingly supports Luthor, she secretly works to undermine him, anonymously leaking news of his un- underhanded and, I don't know, tragic <laughs> dealings to Superman. This is in Superman Batman number six, back in March of 2004. Now, when the time comes for Luther's downfall, she sells all of LexCorp's assets to the Wayne Foundation, leaving Luther penniless and his crimes exposed to all. That's another story that I have been meaning to get my hands on is the uh, rise of Lex Luthor to becoming president of the United States. Um, Yeah, I guess another check to put on the list. And if anyone else has read that, let me know. You know, is it something that you would recommend I read? I mean, I'm going to try to get a hold of it regardless, but I would like to get a little bit of feedback. Um, Now, Death and the Maidens. In Batman, Death and the Maidens, 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 (laughs) in 2003... Uh, written by Greg Rucka, it is revealed that Rajagul met a woman by whom he had a daughter named Nissa during his travels in Russia in the 18th century. Rajagul abandons Nissa at a crucial time. She is tortured. Her entire family is killed in a concentration camp. Damn it. 
during the Holocaust. Fuck. And she is rendered sterile when the Nazi doctors pour acid in her uterus. Fuck, 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 fuck. God damn it. Can no one have a regular life in comics? Jesus Christ. Oh, God. I'll repeat that. She is tortured. This is Nissa. She is tortured. Her entire family is killed in a concentration camp during the Holocaust. And she is made sterile, sterile, when a Nazi doctor pours acid into her uterus. That fucking line in itself is fucking stressful. Like, God damn it. Now, seeking vengeance, Nissa plans to use her considerable wealth and resources to kill Raja Ghul by befriending, kidnapping, and brainwashing Talia. During, uh... Well, okay, so now Talia has this sister who is, you know, a woman of color as well, biracial, you know, whatever. Um, This really feels like it would be a nice, a a nice take on like a Kill Bill type story with Nessa and um, Talia Agul and Raja Agul. Like, I guess with the success of a lot of Netflix shows and even with the DC uh, TV shows, mainly Netflix Marvel shows, you can see that you can take a character who no one knows nothing about or knows little about or has little backstory and create something that's, you know, can have a fan caught behind it. Why not do this with Talia? Why not do this with Nessa? Why not do this with different characters? And you don't have to rely on the Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman of it all, all the goddamn time. I just, I just don't get it. But, you know. It is what it is. And uh, I think this is good a place as any to stop this issue of Talia al Ghul. Um, this will be part one of the Talia al Ghul issue, series, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> so um, we'll pick up next week. Uh, maybe next week. Maybe not. No. <laughs> so until then, give me your thoughts. Um, tweet me, Carefree Blurred. Email me, carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com. Uh, check the other shows in the Carefree Black Nerd feed. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, corrections, or whatnot, let me know about those as well. Uh, Twitter is probably the most immediate way to get in touch with me, but my email is on my phone, so I'll get that as well. <laughs> so um, until next time, you know, live tweet the show, um, leave comments, reviews, concerns, and all that good stuff. And uh, I'll see you back here. Same nerd time, same bat station. (laughs) All right.